Hello, and welcome again to the Myths and Legends of Europe. This episode is brought to you by the top podcast app, the Podbean Podcast app. This is a free app on which you can download any episode of my podcast and has other great features that let you easily discover, listen to and even publish a podcast. Whether you use an iPhone or an Android device, this app really is the one for your podcast needs. Go to Google Play or the Apple iTunes Store and download the app today. Get more from the podcasts that you love. The Myths of the Norse, Chapter 15, The Sorrows of Gudrun Sigurd and Brynhild were no more. Sigurd's son had been killed with him, and the only person that remained of the Folsung line was his daughter Svanhild. Gudrun, her mother, and Sigurd's wife was despondent about how things had turned out, and resolved that she would leave. There was nothing to keep her in her ancestral lands, so off she went. One day, she and Svanhild simply disappeared into the forest. Gudrun and her daughter journeyed through the dark woods, often frightened by the sound of wolves, until they came to the hall of King Half. There they stayed for seven years. Gudrun wove a magnificent tapestry depicting the great deeds of the Volsungs. Quietly, the wife of Sigurd existed in the hall, comforted in her sorrow by her efforts on the cloth. Grimhild, that old meddler of a witch, wanted to know what had happened to her daughter, so she dispatched her two remaining sons to find Gudrun. They agreed and left on their errand, accompanied by their mother and 500 men. It wasn't too hard to locate Gudrun, given that she had been in the same place for seven years, but the questers did not receive a warm welcome. Gudrun trusted none of them and didn't want to see them. She was persuaded by her mother to sit down and take one drink with her family. The drink, of course, was one of Grimhild's potions. As soon as she drank, Gudrun remembered nothing of her grievances. There was much rejoicing, but then Grimhild cut to the chase. You must marry King Atli. Never, countered Gudrun. Sigurd is always in my thoughts. This King Atli will bring our family sorrow, even more than we've had already. He will be the death of your sons, my brothers. Nevertheless, it must happen, said Grimhild. You will receive great wealth and lands to rule over. If it must be, then it must be, said Gudrun grimly, but it will lead only to grief. And so Gudrun departed on another long journey, this time with her mother and brothers. Seven days they travelled on horseback, and then seven by ship. Another seven days over the land, followed until they came to a huge palace. It seems that Gudrun's appearance was expected, as a large feast was laid out for her. She was married to King Atli that day. It was not a happy marriage. Gudrun thought only of Sigurd, and Atli could never win her affection. It affected his dreams. His dreams were interpreted by his wife, who told him that his sons were fated to die and he would be killed too. King Atli tried to put these awful thoughts out of his head by trying to find Fafnir's treasure, the prize of Sigurd but only Gunnar and Hogni knew where it was. So King Atli asked the Gyukung brothers to come and visit him. He sent his agent Vingi with the invitation. Gudrun saw that it would be a disaster if Gunnar and Hogni came to Atli's hall, so she cut some runes and gave them to the king's messengers to give to the brothers. They were a warning for them not to come. Vingi, though, could read the runes and he changed them so that instead they urged Gunnar and Hogni to travel. The Gyukungs were very sceptical about the invitation. They debated whether or not to visit Atli quite loudly. Vingi overheard them and produced his trump card. He showed the brothers the message that Gudrun had cut in the runes. 
It seemed to be a bub board, and they relaxed a little. That night they both got very drunk, especially Gunnar. Vingi used this opportunity to press home his advantage. He promised Gunnar untold power and prestige. The elder brother vowed he would indeed go, and asked Hogni to come with him. Hogni's words were prophetic. Your oath must stand, Gunnar. It cannot be broken. I will follow you, but I am not keen on this trip at all. Gunnar and Hogni retired to bed, as did their guest. While they were asleep, Hogni's wife, Kostbera, took a closer look at the runes. Her heart was seized with dread when she examined them. It was clear they'd been tampered with, and their true message was a plea for the brothers not to go to Atli's palace. In the morning, she confided in her husband. I looked at the runes, Hogni. Gudrun was skilled in their making, and these seemed rushed and ill-prepared. I couldn't believe that Gudrun would be so sloppy, and then I realised the truth. The runes have been altered, my husband. You must not go to Atli's hall now. I've had many dreams that tell of great sadness and despair if you go. Please don't travel today. Hogni knew that his wife's premonitions of evil probably should be taken seriously, but Gunnar had given his oath, and he, Hogni, had agreed to go. Whether he believed it or not, he interpreted his wife's dreams differently. He told her that they meant Atli had only good in store for them. He didn't even have second thoughts when Gunnar told him his own wife had also had ominous dreams. In the morning, many tried to persuade Gunnar and Hogni that they should not visit their sister and King Atli. There was no turning the two brothers, though, and they departed along with a small number of men, including Hogni's two sons, Solar and Snevar, and a famous champion called Orkning, brother of Brea. In the end, Glaumvor, wife of Gunnar, sent Vingi off with a parting shot. Vingi, it is likely that serious consequences will come to pass as the result of your visit. Despite what you say, no good can come of it. Vingi was indignant. I swear I'm not lying. May death and the demons take me if I am. The trouble started as soon as the party reached the hall of King Atli. The travellers found the great fortress closed. Rather than waiting for anyone to open it, Hogni simply beat down the door and they all rode in. Vingi remonstrated with the son of Gyuki and threatened him with death. The response of the Gyukungs was immediate and predictable. They simply threw Vingi to the floor and beat him to death with the blunt end of their axes. King Atli's greeting was equally predictable. Welcome, he said. Now give me all of the gold that Gudrun now owns. Sigurd's treasure, Fafnir's hoard, it's all mine by right. Never, replied Gunnar. You will never lay your hands on the treasure. We will defend it to the last man. I have meant to kill you for a long time, said Atli. Now I will repay you for your treachery against your brother-in-law by doing just that. The most violent battle imaginable broke out between Atli and his men and the followers of the sons of Giuki. Gudrun heard the noise and rushed out. She greeted her brothers with love and affection, but lamented that they had come. She begged them and her husband to come to an agreement and end the fight, but both sides refused. Gudrun did the only thing she could think of. She grabbed a full suit of chainmail and put it on. Then she brandished a sword and dived into the action on the side of her brothers. King Atli's wife fought as valiantly and skillfully as any warrior against her husband and his men. As the day drew to a close, the bloodbath continued until nearly every man had been sent to hell. On the side of the Gyukungs, only Gudrun, Gunnar and Hogni were left standing. Gunnar was attacked and seized by Atli's men. They shackled him in strong chains. Hogni fought on gallantly and brutally, killing many more of his opponents, including Atli's greatest champion. 
he threw many of them into the great fire in the middle of the hall. King Atli was impressed despite himself, but in the end there were too many of them. Hogni too was taken prisoner. It's amazing how many he's killed, said Atli. Now cut out his heart. Do it if you wish, replied Hogni without a tremor. My heart is not afraid, and neither am I. I've a better idea, said one of Atli's few remaining champions. We should kill a thrall instead. The thrall is destined for death anyway. The thrall was grabbed, and he squealed in terror, begging for his life. Hogni intervened. Let him go. Kill me as you intended. Atli, grudgingly impressed yet again, let both Hogni and the thrall live. The two brothers were left fettered, but taken to separate rooms. Atli resumed his quest for Fafnir's treasure. Now, Gunnar, give me the treasure, or you will see the heart of your brother. Never. Atli nodded to his men. A few seconds later they came back with a bleeding heart. Gunnar was not moved. That is the quaking heart of a thrall. My brother's heart is quite unlike that one. Look how it shakes. Hogni's heart would beat strongly and without tremor. Atli raised his eyebrows and nodded again to one of his men. This time Hogni was not spared. As the men cut out his bleeding organ, he laughed. All were impressed by the immense courage of the second son of Gyuki, and it has been remembered ever since. Hogni, though, was no more. This time when he saw the heart, Gunnar knew that his brother was dead. That is the strong heart of my brother, and I curse you for his death, but it will do you no good. I alone know the location of Fafnir's hoard, and I will go to my death before I tell you where it is. The River Rhine will rule over the gold before you do. Atli nodded, knowing that this was true. He had Gunnar thrown into a pit of serpents with his hands tied behind his back. Gudrun threw her brother a harp and he played it with his toes. The watching crowd were amazed by the skill of the playing and the beauty of the music. They couldn't remember hearing such melodies played with the fingers, let alone the toes. The serpents were enchanted until one by one they fell asleep. It seemed that Gunnar's musicianship would save him, but one hideous adder was immune to his harmonious charms. It slithered up to Gunnar and bit him in his chest, burrowing into his heart. Gunnar, the last of the line of the heroic Gyukungs, was dead. Only Gudrun remained, and she was married to King Atli, the defeater of her brothers. Atli, it seems, had given up trying to treat his wife nicely. Your brothers are dead, and you brought it about yourself. Yes, replied Gudrun, but it will not be good for you. Nothing will go well in your life while I still draw breath. Atli was moved. We should make peace, he said. I will give you gold and whatever else you want in compensation for the lives of your brothers. Gudrun replied slowly and softly. No, while Hogni lived I could tolerate things here, but not now. You can never pay enough for my brothers. My family is dead and I am stuck with you. I will bear my lot with fortitude. Let's prepare a feast. I will honour my brothers at least. Atli was taken in. He thought there may be a glimmer of hope that his wife would reconcile with him and all would be well. Gudrun, though, had lost it completely. First, she took up a knife and killed both of her own sons, just because Atli was their father. Soon, Atli asked her where they were, and she mocked him, telling him his sons were gone, and in fact she'd made their skulls into drinking cups. She told him she'd mixed their blood with wine and served it to him. In fact, he was drinking it at that very moment. He raged at his wife, but she seemed unmoved. He threatened her with being stoned to death, but she simply told him that a different fate was in store for her. 
Leaving King Atley stunned and grieving, she strode from his presence. Now, Hogney had left behind a son. He came to the call of King Atley and found his aunt. Together they plotted. The plot wasn't very intricate, but it was effective. King Atley got well and truly drunk after hearing about the slaughter of his sons. He staggered to bed at some point during the evening, not knowing that his wife and her nephew were watching him. He passed out as soon as his head hit the pillow and didn't stir at all when they entered his room. A few seconds later, King Atley was sorely wounded. Both Gudrun and Hogney's son thrust swords into him. It was enough to wake the Hunnish king. He demanded to know who had done the deed. It was I and the son of Hogney, said Gudrun. I am a hard-tempered woman, but you made me worse. Life was better when I was with Sigurd, noble Fafnir Bane. We slew kings and took their lands, but we acted with moderation and honour. Then I lost him, my fine Sigurd. But what was worse was that I ended up with you. I was married to the most upstanding of kings. You are the worst. When you speak, you lie, retorted Atli. But what does it matter? I am beaten. Now at least do what you should do and bury me with honour and magnificence. Gudrun nodded, and she did as she was asked. Atli died a few minutes later, and he was given a thoroughly splendid send-off. After the funeral, she had the hall burned to the ground. The male Gyukungs were gone, and now so was King Atli. The conflict was ended. There was nobody left to carry it on. But that wasn't the end of Gudrun. The last of the children of Giyuki didn't want to live now that Sigurd was gone and her brothers had been killed by King Atli. One day she filled her clothing with stones and walked out into the deep foreboding waters of the ocean. But Hel wasn't ready for Gudrun and the sea wouldn't take her. Instead, it swept her to the lands of King Yonaka. The king took a liking to the still beautiful Gudrun. He married her and they had three sons, Hamdir, Sorli and Erp. Svanhild, Gudrun and Sigurd's daughter, was also raised there. Svanhild surpassed her mother in beauty. She had become known far and wide for her charms. Sadly, the lovely Svanhild was not destined to fare any better than her male relatives. A powerful king called Jormunrek commanded his son Randver to cross the seas and seek her out her hand in marriage. He set off with all due haste. Accompanying the prince on his journey was a servant called Bicky. It seems that Bicky was every bit as duplicitous as Vingi, and his presence was not destined to bring anyone any good. Randver arrived at the court of King Yonaka and announced his intentions. King Jormunrek wishes to honour your family by giving you his kingship. He wishes to marry the renowned Svanhild. King Yonaka replied, It seems like a splendid match. Gudrun warned again that no good could come of this, but the marriage was agreed. Bicky, though, put seeds of an idea in Randver's mind. It seems to me that this beautiful lady should not marry an old man. Surely it's more fitting that she be with a fine prince such as yourself. Randver clearly thought this was a splendid idea, and so actually did Svanhild. By the end of the journey home, they were an item. Bicky, being the duplicitous meddler that he was, immediately told King Jormunrek what had gone on and urged him to have his son killed. The king, in his anger, ordered Bicky to build the gallows and hang Randver. A little later, once he had calmed down and seen some unwelcome omens, he changed his mind and ordered his son to be reprieved. It was too late, though. Bicky had already done the deed. Jormunrek's anger returned and he ordered that Svanhild be murdered too. The poor innocent girl was suffocated. Gudrun had been right. 
When she heard the news, Gudrun urged her sons to take revenge and kill Jormunrek. Hamdir was not keen. Gudrun urged them until he reluctantly agreed. Gudrun armed the boys well and dressed them in sturdy chainmail, which, she told them, could not be pierced by iron. Then she gave them potions to drink and gave them one warning. You will succeed and come home if you cause nobody any damage with stones. Use your blades, but never rocks. Okay, mother, said Hamdir, but I'm sure we part for the last time. Prepare a funeral feast for Svanhild and for us. They left and Gudrun retreated to her room. As she sat on her bed and looked in the mirror, she lamented. I have been married to three men. First came Sigurd Fafnirbane, but he was taken from me, and that's my greatest sorrow. Then King Atli became my husband, but I hated him so much that I killed our sons. Then the sea carried me here and I married this king. I wed my daughter to a faraway king, but she was killed, and this is the second greatest of my sorrows. Now I have sent my sons into peril. It was grim for me when Gunnar died in the snake pit, but it was worse when Hogni's heart was cut out. Not a son or a daughter is left to comfort me. Oh, Sigurd, do you remember what you said? You said you would wait for me in hell. She lowered her head and wept. And things were already unravelling for her sons. As the three boys journeyed to Jormunrek's court, Hamdir asked Erp how he was going to help in the struggle. The answer was somewhat cryptic. As the hand helps the hand, or the foot helps the foot. Hamdir and Sawley took this to mean he was going to do nothing at all, so they killed him. Yep, just like that, they killed him. Further along in their journey, Hamdir stumbled and threw out a hand to save himself. Not long after, Sawley did the same thing and used his foot to be steady. The truth dawned on them. Erp wasn't lying, said Sawley. Without my foot I would have fallen, and without your hand the same would have happened to you. You are right, agreed Hamdir sadly. The two remaining brothers arrived at Jormunrek's hall, and a great battle ensued. Hamdir and Sawley fought with their swords, but they also threw rocks at their opponents, against their mother's warning. Still, nobody could pierce their armour, and they fought on. King Jormunrek was at a loss, and so he asked a wise old man how he could defeat his attackers. Stone them to death, came the reply. Iron will never hurt them. And so the king ordered his men to launch stones at Hamdir and Sawley. They could not withstand the onslaught, and before long, both were dead. Gudrun had lost everything and everyone. What was she to do now? And what did she do? Well, nobody knows. Next time, it's back to dealing with the Aesir, where we will see Frigg suffer a sorrow just as great as those of Gudrun. Before I go, just a quick reminder that this episode was brought to you by the Podbean podcast app. Get more from the podcast that you love. So, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.